That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Show yourself, Snape said, tapping the map sharply. It stayed blank. Harry was taking deep, calming breaths. Severus Snape, master of the school, commands you to yield the information you conceal, Snape said, hitting the map with his wand. As though an invisible hand was writing upon it, words appeared on the smooth surface of the map. Mr. Mooney presents his compliments to Professor Snape and begs him to keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. Snape froze. Harry stared dumbstruck at the message, but the map didn't stop there. More writing was appearing beneath the first. Mr. Prongs agrees with Mr. Mooney and would like to add that Professor Snape is an ugly git. It would have been very funny if the situation hadn't been so serious, and there was more. Mr. Padfoot would like to register his astonishment that an idiot like that ever became a professor. Harry closed his eyes in horror. When he'd opened them, the map had had its last word. Mr. Wormtail bids Professor Snape good day and advises him to wash his hair in the slime ball. Harry waited for the blow to fall. So, said Snape softly, we'll see about this. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the ways that the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 14, Snape's Grudge. All right, so this this chapter starts with the last chapter, you know, because, like, Sirius Black has tried to attack Ron in his sleep with, like, a knife, and Ron screamed. That that was last chapter. So this chapter, the school goes on lockdown, and everyone's looking for him. They can't find him. He escaped again. So whatever, let's carry on with our lives. Hagrid invites Ron and Harry down for tea to talk about how Hermione is kind of, like, visibly not okay. And, like, maybe we should be nice to her because she appears to be in desperate need of friendship. Hogwarts posts their next, like, Hogsmeade date when all the students can go to Hogsmeade. All the students, except for fucking Harry Potter, who doesn't have permission and is tr- someone's tr- actively trying to murder him, and Neville Longbottom, who isn't allowed to go anymore because he wrote out all the passwords and he left them on a piece of paper and Sirius Black found it and <laughs> people could have been murdered, Neville. That's beside the point. So, Harry obviously, takes his invisibility cloak and goes to Hogsmeade anyway, and he joins up with Ron. They get into a tiff with Malfoy. Malfoy sees Harry. Harry's like, oh, fuck. He runs back to the castle at the speed of light, where Professor Snape is waiting for him because Malfoy beat Harry there because I guess he was in a carriage or whatever. Snape tries to get Harry in trouble. It doesn't work. The Marauder's map is exposed. Snape calls Professor Lupin. Lupin's like, that's not a map, but I'm taking that. That's mine. Ron runs in and is like, he's innocent. And it's like, no one asked you, Ron. And the chapter just really spirals until eventually Scoffrey, Ron, and Harry are walking back to the Gryffindor common room and Hermione intercepts them and is like, Buckbeak's gonna get executed. And that sucks. That's a shitty way to end that chapter. Don't love it. Like three out of 10 ending. Welcome to the restricted section. It's me, your host, Christina. Brooke. Am I just being called upon to speak? 
Are we doing it cheerleader style like, Brooke, sound off. I'm Brooke. I'm sassy. I'm here to save the day. (laughs) That's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you so much. It's a delight to have you as always. You're welcome. And I love starting with some good energy. (laughs) And I'm really excited about our guests today. We have Alex and Zach, hosts of the amazing Avatar The Last Airbender podcast, My Cabbages. Alex, Zach, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. So excited to be here. Mm-hmm. We're excited to have you. Do you want to start by just telling our listeners a little bit about y'all's podcast? Yeah, sure. So, hi, everyone. I'm Alex. And, hi, Alex. Uh, hi. <laughs> we have a podcast, as Christina mentioned, My Cabbages, which is started in like many other endeavors uh, in quarantine with my wonderful partner, Zach. Uh, and we go episode by episode and with a uh, little bit of sass, a little bit of critique, but mostly a lot of laughs. Uh, we and a lot do, of love. Of for course. The show. We, we do an in-depth dive on Avatar, The Last Bender, Airbender, and rediscover an old classic that we loved as kids. So if you... And, and we like we like the, the much darker version, Avatar, The Last Bender. He's the last one. There's no more left. <laughs> That's incredibly high yeah. stakes. <laughs> you know, we go over each episode, we, we make jokes. Yes, and I'm really excited that I'm going to be able to be a guest next month to mm-hmm. talk about the library episode, which is... <sighs> Far and away my favorite season two episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's a it's lot. lot. So I need that whole month between now and then <laughs> to really emotionally prepare myself. Right. Alex, could you please tell us a little bit about your very hairy history? Like, how did you get started? Did you read them? Did you watch them? Um, yeah, all of the above. Uh, and honestly, it, it goes really way back. Brooke and I were at all the movie premieres, all of the, like, oh, not all, but a lot of the midnight book premieres at uh, Barnes & Noble. Yeah, because so. you mentioned that you and Brooke are childhood friends. I think that's important context. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, I have had the, the wonderful pleasure of knowing Brooke uh, since uh, we were young. We were neighbors, grew up across the street, and uh, were definitely besties. Uh, we would role play uh, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings uh, in our neighbor's backyard because it reminded us of a Rivendell and her copy of the Silmarillion had like Elvish in the back and we would put together like these different names to come up with the coolest sounding like Elvish names and translate them. We were oh my so god. Cool. Le- Leodon uh, Merogian. Mero- <laughs> yeah. I I actually distinctly remember one of our favorite things to do was just play uh, um like Hogwarts train. Yeah. Like just the Hogwarts Express, where we would like endlessly play through getting to the station, meeting each other. We would make up witch names for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We would like play act just riding the Hogwarts Express to Hogwarts, and then we would do a sorting, and then that we would call it. Like we never really wanted to get into like the day to day stuff, no. but we played Hogwarts Express all the time. We don't want to go to school, gross. We just want to travel to school. Yeah. <laughs> That is precious. Brooke had all the cool games. Like, you had a computer in your room, so we would play Harry Potter, uh, like, the first uh, EA really terrible PC game, and I, run around. I'm trying to figure out how to cover those on the podcast, because they're truly iconic. They really are, like, changing, really. Uh, we played all the cool board games, like, Escape to Diagon Alley or, or whatever, and yeah, it was- Is that just- the one that's at my house now? Yeah. It's- <laughs> 
I honestly looked as after I remembered that I went after your wedding, Brooke, no joke, and looked up a copy of this game on eBay and I hardcore almost bought it. Well, I have it. We'll just have to all play together. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've been a hardcore fan. Um, I discovered it first through when I was um, in elementary school and my teacher was reading it when I was in third grade and I loved it so much. I convinced my teacher to read it again, but we got the audio version and then we got our school, like our class to do a play where like we people read out loud the different parts like it was wonderful and after that i've been a fan lifelong fan ever since that's awesome what hogwarts house are you this is a really uh loaded controversial thing you can tell us just describe it to us if you're divergent that's okay we understand okay so i am (laughs) divergent but i started for the longest time and whenever we would like you know play like role play growing up like mentioned uh hogwarts train and how sorting i always thought i was ravenclaw for my entire life growing up i thought it was ravenclaw i went to harry potter world thinking i was ravenclaw and brought all my like ravenclaw merch like my scarf and everything and then pottermore took the quiz 10 times seven times i was slytherin three times i was gryffindor and once i was hufflepuff never once was i ravenclaw oh my god (laughs) so i came to the the, i mean if we go by that i don't know so i really do think um i am a split. I like to call myself Harry. How I like should could have been sorted into Slytherin, um, and but I I am I think at my heart a Gryffindor because Leslie cool. Nope is my spirit animal, and I'm very much aligned with the courageous. Sure. Uh, yeah, always mm-hmm. diving in uh, head first. Um, very um, loyal to a good cause, and my friends. I know loyal is more Hufflepuff, but anyway, it's both. It's some both. loyalty is bravery, and sometimes it's just, like, really mild friendship feelings. Yeah. So I, I'm an Aries fire sign, so it all works out. Gryffindor. Yeah. Now, I was going to say, I as you've grown older, you've definitely grown into a Gryffindor. Yeah. I agree. That's awesome. I love a good Gryffindor. So, Zach, now what about you? What's your Harry history? My Harry history? Um, I read the books as kids. I think it was something that, like, my mom would 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 do for us when we like did something good is she'd like go and get the next audiobook and we'd all listen to it together and so like when the movie came out i remember my mom got the theater tickets like weeks in advance it was so so nice that's a cool mom and she like was reading from the book as much as like uh, a few days beforehand and we all went and saw it and second second that like privet drive sign appears we just i just remember being like transported when you were when alex was talking about playing uh hogwarts express how could you play anything else that first hogwarts express scene is like (laughs) it's magic i feel like if i died my afterlife would be that hogwarts express car (laughs) full of wizard treats and it would just i would never arrive at my destination it is a whole ass ride at the wizarding world of harry potter (laughs) i haven't had a chance to go um, so what Hogwarts house are you? Well, I was about to make a joke about Alex being the most tragic thing about that, Alex, is that you were one part Hufflepuff. Now, proud Hufflepuff here. Uh, uh, us, us, us honey badgers don't give a fuck. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've always felt like, you know, a kinship with animals and like sort of this need to like be 
the people's friend and he's an artist he's a sensitive soul I, I, am Aww, very sensitive I love soul. it so I love it. Hufflepuff has always kind of felt like home to me that's beautiful I'm sad that we never like really get to see Hufflepuff at all and when we do they're assholes Ernie McMillan Ernie McMillan <laughs> hey you get the one true untainted hero of this story as oh my well, god so. he- <laughs> My boy, Seti. Cedric, Cedric Diggory, Diggory, no personality, just, like, all good, though. Yeah. I think I think he has a little bit of a personality. I, in the books, I think him and Harry are very similar, where it's, like, what, 94% of the time, they're just being receptacles for plot, but, like, that yeah. 6% is all sass. That's true. <laughs> Can't argue with that at all. So, speaking of Harry sass, today we're talking about Chapter 14 of The Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, very Snape's sassy episode. Grudge. Yeah, it's sassy. Um, and I'm going to tell you all right now that I have a, I'm have terrible allergies. I'm very congested today. So if I sound like a goddamn idiot, it's because my nose is full of boogers. That's my disclaimer. The classic booger disclaimer. Yeah, the, exactly. That's wow. Right. That's going to be the name of my memoir. <laughs> the booger disclaimer. So this chapter starts with. Okay, here's the thing is, in Prisoner of Azkaban, and literally almost never in Chamber of Secrets or the Sorcerer's Stone, our chapters are ending on cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really finding myself every new episode having to be like, this chapter starts with the, the last chapter. Yeah, last time. You know what I mean? Yep. Previously on Avatar. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So previously on Harry Potter, Sirius Black broke into the Gryffindor Tower and basically threatened Ron's sleeping form with a knife um, and fled, right? So this chapter starts with like, okay, we're awake. There's a fucking murderer on the loose. And um, the whole Gryffindor house is like, it just stays up all night in the common room waiting to hear because the, the teachers are searching the castle for Sirius Black. So this brings us to my first question, which is if y'all will remember the last time that there was a Sirius Black spotting in the castle, they sent all of the students to the Great Hall. To stay overnight in one place. Why? What What makes this different, do we think? I think this is maybe different because he was in the common room already. And also they've done so much work securing passages in and out of the school that I think that they think that they have few enough options that they can like head him off at the pass if they just act quickly. I gotcha. Yeah, it sounds by the looks of it too that they've really started to beef up security uh, the trolls. The security, yeah, security trolls. trolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Professor Flitwick was teaching the doors how to identify a picture of Sirius Black, which I had questions about how you teach inanimate objects, but it's magic, so... <laughs> if anyone could, it's Flitwick. <laughs> exactly. Charms make sense. Do they have to teach the staircases to, like, move back and forth? They have to be like, all right, now disconnect and slide over. As a reminder, that's a movie memory. Uh, the staircases in the book don't move like that i think about that all the time i watched the sorcerer's stone very recently so it's fresh in my memory that the movie is like what if staircases just kidnap children and put them in predicaments (laughs) and it's like whoa did you think you were going to biology (laughs) fuck you you're going to chemistry instead (laughs) no i hate math i will say that i like very much relate to this version of lockdown uh, at this point where it's like there's mm, lots oof. of like very outward showy security but otherwise people are just kind of living like they always were as if there's no threat yeah mm, I don't not a single <laughs> yeah. mask in sight here you know like literally after you know the kids are like hanging out in the common room and then after they're like yeah we didn't catch him so i guess we're just gonna try some other things everyone's just like all right well 
back to school. <laughs> back to class, I guess. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> yep. We did have a question, too, about the security trolls. And I'm like, okay, so now they're hiring literally the first book in Chamber of Seek or in Philo- or so- all these names in Sorcerer's Stone when they are going to rescue Hermione in the bathroom because Coral let the troll into the dungeon. Right. I mean, I'm sure there is a variety of trolls, but I how is that troll any different from this? Now they're literally inviting them in. I guess it can't get any worse than the crazed supposed uh murder on the loose yeah that's a great question alex and i i know you're reading the same edition as i am the bloomsbury illustrated edition and the illustration of the security trolls is downright adorable it's adorable (laughs) it really is honestly we and when we were reading this uh i because these are really popular and memey right now but i thought of what would a troll tier list so thinking of like the different kinds of trolls, which ones did we list off, babe? We have uh, internet trolls. Okay. Um, the trolls from like the Trolls uh, World Tour movie. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a high quality troll. Troll yeah. 2, the uh, the cheesy like uh, B movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the, the bridge troll. The under the bridge troll. The classic bridge troll. The troll from Billy Girl of Goat's Gruff. Classic, classic. Billy Girl's Gruff. There's the Hobbit trolls. There we go. Yeah. So, and also, like, so what? I guess one of them broke in and caused a ruckus, and now two books later, they're unionizing? Are they, like, (laughs) getting organized? I'm trying to remember if I'm, like, imagining that in Sorcerer's Stone, they specifically said, like, a mountain troll. Mm. Yeah. After after a troll gets into your your school, what's the best way to fight a troll? More trolls. More trolls. Security trolls. (laughs) Yeah, so so when McGonagall is like oh, comes back at dawn and she's like, we didn't catch Sirius Black. Like he's still on the loose. Have fun going to class, children, because your finals are soon. <laughs> yeah. um, they, they do tighten down security with the security trolls. Um, so the security trolls are there to defend the fat lady portrait. Who mm-hmm. I feel bad calling her that, but it's just her name, I guess. Yeah. I mean, um, that bitch really doesn't seem to like uh, you know women. <laughs> just Take women in general Maybe women yeah. larger people trans people whatever it may be she doesn't like yeah. many things um yeah. she loves skinny smart white women um <laughs> what what the fuck was i gonna say oh my god awkward awkward um if you were gonna name the fat lady what would you name her hmm i don't know she seems like a beatrice to me oh beatrice that's sweet like if you were gonna give her a like description of her portrait name and maybe this i'm having a movie memory but like the opera singer or something like she's got a very or like the diva she's got a diva diva vibe yes but because it it is like a thing i think that in the movie that she like kind of can't sing prima donna if we're going for the the beautiful name yeah how do the rules of harry potter paintings work like if somebody needed to contact the fat lady uh, (sighs) beatrice sorry um (laughs) And, That's her name now. And they, if somebody was trying to contact Beatrice, could they like draw like an old time? Could they paint an old timey phone into the background of the painting, and then she can like call someone? How does it work? Is it like chalk zone? I need. To I know. wish we. I wish we knew more. Oh my god! If it were like chalk zone, that would be so fucking cool. It's gotta be like chalk zone. Wow. Well, because we've been talking before about how, um, like, some of the portraits have been known to get drunk. And, like, where does that alcohol come from? And, like, how does one replenish it, you know? Mm -hmm. These are good questions. 
They're great questions. Are some of these, someone has to be a moonshiner or a bootlegger in Hogwarts, <laughs> and I want to know who it is. <laughs> I'm assuming there's a painting of a brewery somewhere. Oh, oh cool. That would be a cool They a just cool hire one. some painter to come back and paint the, the distilleries full again every few weeks. <laughs> um, you know how the entrance to the kitchens is like a fruit basket and you have to tickle the pear? Maybe there's just like a whole corridor of like delightful food paintings to feed and entertain all the painting people. <laughs> I love it. Seeing all of this added security, Harry's like, huh, you know, if I wasn't invincible, I would... Start to be worried about this secret passageway that leads into this castle that is evidently the only way Sirius Black could possibly be entering the castle. Right. He's like, I, I know I'm the main character of this book series. Nothing's going to happen to me. I, I, my name is on it. There's no way they're <laughs> killing me off in book three, okay? Protagonist shield to the extreme. Well, right. and Harry, Harry does what we all do when we feel a certain way and don't want to feel different. Is we go? He, went, he goes to the friend that he knows is going to say exactly what he wants to hear. He asks Ron if he should be worried. And Ron is like, of course not. We would hear if someone was breaking into Honey Dukes. And it's like, like, no, that is Grade not- Grade A logic. Harry's broken into Honey Dukes. Also, Fred <gasps> and George in the last chapter broke into, broke Honey, into Dukes, Honey Dukes, yep, stole right. a bunch of shit, and then popped back into the Gryffindor common room. And Honey Dukes was just like, people eat shit, man. I don't know. Stuff goes missing. <laughs> what you're saying is the security at Hogsmeade, not great. <laughs> It's not great. So Harry, I mean, Harry continues to be a, a brave idiot. And then also because of the last chapter, Neville is in trouble with a capital T. Oh, this yeah. is my favorite ever punishment that I have heard of inflicting on a child, <laughs> which is Punished just that Neville. he, he is not allowed he to get any of the passwords. Now, because he wrote them down last time and lost the list, and so yeah. Sirius Black found the list and was able to get into the common room. Oh, so no. his punishment is that Neville doesn't get any of the passwords and literally has to wait outside the common room until someone else comes along to let him in as, like, a tag-along. Here's uh, my question is, if someone uh, comes along and is like, oh, here's the password, let's go inside, can't Neville hear them? This, they're doing it on a day-by-day -day basis. Yeah, they change it all the time. Uh, it's like so he gets to learn it, like, just in time for dinner. I th don't think he can remember it regardless. Like, that's why he wrote them down in the first place. Yeah. Also, I've seen Fantastic Beasts. Wizards can can whisk a city back together with their wands, I guess in the cinematic universe at least. So why why can't they just make a spell that just, Sirius Black, just, this person specifically, can't get in? Is there a reason? Is like I don't understand a lot about like the whole magic system. There's That's a great question. Okay, so this is like, I have like a lot of like, magic lore in my brain from just reading a shit ton of fantasy and like not all of it is in Harry Potter so something that's like magic lore but not yeah. Harry Potter is I would think you would need to have something of like a serious black like hair or blood or something in order to do like that specific of a spell yeah me me explaining my problem your explanation <laughs> he's acting out memes <laughs> Do you do the, the audio, the video also? Do you I that? don't. You don't. It's more fun to just say he's acting out memes. <laughs> <laughs> he's acting out a Drake meme, which I particularly yes. appreciate. Yes, it is a Drake meme. Thank you for specifying. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So Neville, I mean, he definitely fucked up. There's for no sure. doubt about it. He did a really bad thing, but people, I mean, people are being, he's 
McGonagall forbids him to go to Hogsmeade. She gives him detention. She forbids anyone from telling him the password. And his grandmother sends him a howler. And everyone fucking hates him right now. And, like, I just don't feel like that's the right way to handle a child who, like, is no. so nervous that he no. can't even remember the password it's in the horrible. first place. We had the same exact conversation when we were reading this together. It was like, I was like, this is toxic childcare. Like, like when when this bitch was writing this, like, how internalized? Like, how was she punished as a child? Like, because now I'm going back and reading this, and I'm like, the public shaming and the fact that the voice gets louder. <laughs> the like, howler, yeah, yeah, the like, howler is serious. Yeah, okay. So as a devil's advocate here, Andrew's if, not here. Someone's got to be. If <laughs> Ron had been killed, which we know is not Sirius Black's intention, but, but yeah, you're right. In this scenario where we all think that he's a murderer, and if Ron had been killed, Neville would essentially be accessory to murder. Like mm, it's not gosh. exactly completely disconnected. Like I think we downplay it a little bit because we know that it comes out okay i know but like also that's i feel like that's just so a kind of situation where it's like it's like if ron had died neville's guilt for the rest of his life is like more punishment than you could ever give him Mm. he needs therapy (laughs) but also and i think they make this point when ron is recounting his story dramatically yes like the poor little for the ladies (laughs) oh yeah for the street cred (laughs) he is just but then you think wait how if Sirius Black was really trying to kill anybody did he get past like all of these like sleeping like boys and so I think yeah uh, if Ron would have been killed probably wouldn't you theorize taking it a step further that Sirius would probably have also killed the others that's true Prince Prince in the Tower situation Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that we narrowly avoided just a shit ton of child murder. I know. (laughs) Well, my question is, like, if they're caring about, if they want to lock down the common room so exclusively, like, isn't Neville super exposed just standing outside the door waiting for someone to show up? (laughs) Like, like what if that's someone's fucking serious black? Take Neville. He deserves it. (laughs) Leave the rest of the (laughs) children. He's volunteered his tribute. I'm joking, obviously. I want to. I want to mention briefly that uh, we are um, Alex and I dining or sipping upon some delicious butter beer in honor of our trip to Hogsmeade this episode. Oh yeah! Are you doing alcoholic or non-alcoholic butter? Beer? Oh, we 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 booze in the out. We booze in the we butter booze beer. Booze in out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? What is your recipe if you don't mind my asking? I I'm a collector of butter beer recipes. Yeah, That's absolutely. Excellent. So the recipe that I use is the one with from binging with Babish. Uh, <gasps> I love binging with Babish. Yeah, I love Babish as well. But I also have. She has a rivalry with Babish. I, I oh. love to hate Babish because I just like he does things, and I'm like, but I could do it better. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a food. But at any rate, I use his recipe, but I don't know how this happened. But for some reason, I was convinced that it called for also, in addition to butterscotch schnapps, also um, cinnamon liqueur, like a little bit, like Goldschlager or something like that. And so I, I had, I added it and I went to the liquor store to get some so we could make some for the pod, uh, cause we wanted to be on theme as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I looked at the recipe when I was making it today and I was like, huh, 
guess it it does it doesn't have any. Uh, so for somehow for some reason, I guess I just had Goldschlager at one point in my cabinet, and I had had enough of butter beer at that point. I guess I just added some. So yeah, you can nice. just use Bab binging with Babish's uh, recipe. Um, which off the top of my head is like uh, just some heavy cream, an egg white, uh, some simple syrup, some butter sco- butter scotch schnapps, a it's dash of vanilla. I know, right? And then you shake that all up with some ice and then you pour that into a glass and you top it off with some cream soda. That sounds amazing. That sounds like something that Haley could drink a whole one of. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> sounds so very sweet. And I'll link that in the show notes for anyone who's interested in using the same recipe um, from Binging with Babish. She was like, if, do you want two or three? And I was like, well, you're going to twist my arm. This will make <laughs> three. I'll get there. Well, I just made a batch. So when I instead of measuring things like Babish's recipe, I just used a mason jar as yes. my tumbler uh, or shaker and then just measured that way. So. so speaking of beverages, I'm trying to get better at my segues and I'm proud of that one. Hagrid <laughs> invites Ron and Hermione. Nope, not Hermione. Harry. I put Hermione in my notes. What do I think <laughs> is going on here? Hagrid invites Ron. <laughs> what is what movie is it where he like can only read the teleprompter and he like can't? Is that Anchorman? Anchorman. Mm-hmm. It's me, but with my own notes. Really quickly before we move on, I have to mention that okay. uh, Hedwig um, nips Harry uh, on the shoulder when he forgets to, that he has mail himself. And, She's uh, an aggressive male person. Yeah, as uh, as as someone with a bird, I can relate to that because. <laughs> I, one time I looked over and Rory was just, my bird's name is Rory. He is named after the Doctor Who character. Um, and uh, I turned, looked over and he was just pulling business cards out of my stack of printed business cards. And just, they were just all over the floor. He was just <laughs> being, the worst, being the worst secretary ever. <laughs> oh my God. I just, visions of a very successful TikTok with, about your bird secretary. <laughs> You can have that for free. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Find him at Bird Secretary. <laughs> I'll tell Rory it'll go right to his head. We're going to scold him a little desk. It's going to be great. <laughs> Out of like a tissue box. But yeah, I was really proud of Hagrid for making an adult decision for once yes. in this yes. chapter. Yep. He's yeah. like definitely sober this time. Yes. Great start. <laughs> yes. He sends them an invitation to tea, but he like specifically tells them like you're not allowed out of the castle, so wait for me in the great hall. I will come and collect you. Very right. adult decision. Yes. And the whole reason he invited them there was to be like you're being really mean to Hermione. She's having a hard time. Like, guys, come on, get your shit together. Yes. I my bullet point for this is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is important to have people in your life who will be like, hey, I love you and like I understand what you're doing, but you're you're hurting other people. You know, like you need you need to be stopped at this point. And Hagrid is being that adult for Harry and Ron. It is a little annoying to me that Hagrid is like, cats eat rats. What did you want, Ron? Fuck yeah. that rat. <laughs> right, fuck that crap. <laughs> I was like, I feel for Ron because, you know, we have a cat and yeah. we have to this keep This is bird a daily basis. In separate rooms. Uh, oh, yeah. Because she's a little hunter, and I know that if she found him, she would do what hunters do. Murder. 
the way we found that out was uh, when we were on a road trip. This is what really cemented our relationship is when we decided to go visit both of our families for over the course of one holiday, packing all three of our animals into my car, the same car I've had had since high school. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. From Pittsburgh to Baltimore to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then back up to Pittsburgh. So over a thousand miles. It was crazy. We were crammed and we were staying at his parents' house. I had gone to bed early and was just chilling in our room with Rory. Puck came up. We're all good. And then for some reason, Zach thought it was a great idea coming to bed later in the night that the cat was lonely and it would just okay, be so, so sweet so to have hindsight. all the animals in the room together. In she hindsight. Was ch- all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I love you, babe. You can tell the rest of the story, babe. The blanket, <laughs> the blanket, I thought the blanket was over the cage. He was asleep. There was no way for the cat to know, but she knew. She found out very quickly. And we separated <laughs> wow. them very, very fast. We, well, the, the, we turned the lights they off, and within 30 other, seconds, yeah. we hear squawking, and we turn the light on, and the cat is face printed right up against the cage. So, no I more cat like, and never bird in again. the same room. Never if there's again. one thing I know about cats, it's that they will figure out a way. To do the thing, no matter what. This cat right here, Dante of the Inferno fame, I've been trying to literally, literally just own a spider plant since (laughs) I adopted him three years ago. And I keep getting spider plants all the time. They're babies because my good friends Haley and Anna both have very... What's a good word for having lots of babies? Very fertile (laughs) spider plants. And every time I bring home a perfect little baby spider plant, all wrapped up. All swaddled. Oh no! My fucking my cat fucking murders it, oh, and I was no. so happy. I'd had one for about six months, and it was really rooting. It like I was rooting for it. Did you name it? <laughs> Is it named Kevin? I don't name my plants because that's when things die. That's why I don't name cars anymore. And Dante, I was up on the counter so high, and he never goes on the counters. He's certainly not allowed to, but he he knew it was up there, even though he couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Cats will murder the things you love. That's why you just have to be like, I guess I love my cat the most. <laughs> yeah, I'm accidentally defending Hermione. I didn't mean for this tangent to end up here. Um, I I think Hagrid is being stupid, and he says people can be. This is a quote, okay? People can be a bit stupid about their pets," said Hagrid wisely. Behind him, Buckbeak spat a few ferret bones onto Hagrid's pillow. I literally said when we were reading this that. Quote it, pin it. This is the whole quote. This is the best quote of the entire chapter. People make (laughs) make stupid decisions about their pets. (laughs) This is the definition of Hagrid's existence. It's also the definition of irony, right? Right. So I do have a quick question. When they come in, Hagrid has his uh, trial outfit out on the bed. It's right. It's bad. And it notes that he's... He's got a gigantic hairy brown suit. A very hairy and suit, yeah. I'm wondering if this isn't like a Silas. Like, what does that mean? Um, it's the uh, John the Baptist style like torture hair shirt that people wore to atone for their sins in the Middle Ages. Hmm. That is a thing that I didn't know about until this very moment. I've heard so, of the term hair shirt. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. What? So it's called a Silas, C-I-L-I-C-E. And what it was is in the Middle Ages, John the Baptist kind of made it famous. Like, he started the trend. And other people were like, damn, boy, look snatched. We're going to get on that. Cute fit, John. (laughs) So basically, what it is is they would make shirts out of usually horse hair. 
And they would wear them as undershirts because basically they were so abrasive and yeah. uncomfortable to wear that you would constantly be itchy and somewhat in pain. And it was supposed to be a constant way to atone for your sins and to never find true comfort until you had done so. Whoa. Yeah, the, um, I think like in, in medieval fantasy books a lot, you'll see characters be, oh, it was... It was as annoying as a hair shirt or something like that. What? Uh, it, it comes up in, in Game of Thrones, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. There, There's like a couple of the, I forget Whoa. who, but there, there's a religious order that wears hair shirts as a um, as a punishment. Oh my God, I have no memory of this place. I, I thought that she was just calling back to, uh, to Wizard People, dear reader, because Hagrid is a large, hairy truck. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, like what? So, so you think it's like a horsehair type situation? I can see it either being like shag carpeting turned into a <laughs> coat, or I could see it being a thing where he just like combed a variety of animals and like felted it together <laughs> into a jacket. The like texture yeah. of the the Dumb and Dumber uh, like van comes to mind. Yes, <laughs> I kind of just assumed it was wool, but like I think I uh, to me when I read it, the word Harry w- was trying to say that it was like old and like pilly and like frayed and like just not good looking. You know yeah. when you have a fabric outfit too. I don't know why I said fabric before outfit, and like you have it for so long, it just loses its shape. It's just fuzzy on the lines. It's not crisp and clean. Yeah, anytime that I feel that it's. The words Hagrid and Harry are used in the same sentence and it's not referring to Harry Potter. It's just probably describing an animal skin of some <laughs> sort. So yeah. I would go with Brooke's description of it being some type of animals that have been stitched together. But I will point out also that it also describes a, ver- a very horrible yellow and orange tie also hanging with the suit. Yeah, that that's a choice I don't understand. I think it's also the... Maybe the same tie that he was wearing on Harry's birthday when he went to, like, pick him up in, uh, well, like, I don't know. There's some other, like... He doesn't wear it at that time. He wears it. He wears it a couple times. He wears it to the Yule Ball in the next book. And his date with Madame Maxine, right? There we go. Yeah, totally. Because... He's like Harry, maybe in the woods at midnight, and Harry's like, I'm down for some bro shenanigans. But then when Harry goes out there, Hagrid's wearing his suit and tie and ignoring Harry completely. And it's like the weirdest thing that we're ever going to read in this whole series. There you go. Very <laughs> awkward. It's like when you see a guy and you're like, hey, he's kind of cute. I wonder how he I wonder how he cleans up. And then you see him later in a more formal thing. And you're like, oh, that that was how he cleans up. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Alternatively, some men just look gross, clean, instead of dirty, and I'm talking about Viggo Mortensen. Oh, God, oh, yeah. yeah. Dirty only. <laughs> and Please. You're yeah. right. Viggo Mortensen gets it's hotter the dirtier he gets. That's very oh, true. Oh, yeah. Just throw him in the river, dude. Uh-huh. Have, put some blood on him. Roll him in the dirt. Oh, yeah. Have a horse sit on him. Um, the boys forgot that they were supposed to be helping Hagrid prepare for Buckbeak's hearing. Yeah, they're being yeah. real dingleberries, aren't they? And literally, it's like, it's because they, like, the narration says, and Hagrid also says, like, it's because of the firebolt. It's not because someone's trying to murder you. It's not because your rat died. It's because of this fucking broomstick. Harry's a dumb jock, yeah. He is a dumb jock. Just like his dad. (laughs) Every once in a while, like, that bitch will write a thing, and then... The way that she writes it, the tone that she writes it with is like, we're all on the same page here, right? Right, ladies and gentlemen, right? We, we know what we're talking. <laughs> come on, come on. Hey, come on. And she's like, fuck you. Yeah, I will also question 
the decision. I mean, I know there are already poor ones when in the world you're using like house elves as, you know, culinary and just general house labor and indentured servants. But like, you're using children as your legal defense? Like, what? (gasps) He can't afford a real lawyer. I know. I feel bad for Hagrid. Accio lawyer. Is lawyer one of the approved wizard professions? Because every time that we see, every time that we see a court scene in this novel, there is no lawyer. It's like, like it's just the person defending nothing. themselves. Yeah, what's well, like oh Game of God. Thrones? They can do trial by combat if they want. Yes, Brooke, that's a great point because we do see. I would say like maybe almost like ten court hearings in this. At least like in some, there's a lot because we go through all of the Death Eaters in the Patronus, uh, p- fucking um, the Pensive, and um, yeah, I mean, no one has a lo- Dumbledore is your lawyer. <laughs> there are no lawyers. It's literally just like we're gonna put you in a room and we're gonna see what you have to say for yourself. And we all already hate you. Yep. And it's a jury of us, so fuck you. Yeah, seems like a win-win. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So they're like, sorry, we forgot that your life sucks right now. We <laughs> sorry said we'd help you. Sorry we forgot about your suffering for a second. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Hagrid's like, I'm not even here to talk about... Because Ron at first is like, I bet you want to hear about the serious black thing. So Hagrid's like, I don't want to talk about your suffering. We're not even going to talk about my suffering. We're here to talk about Hermione. And I'm, I'm like kind of coming around on Hermione. I mean, obviously she's being a fucking idiot about the whole Ron thing with the mm. cat. And like, obviously she, she is not making the right choices, but I, I just really feel like. I personally have been in this position more than once before where you're feeling unwell, you've taken on too much, and there's, like, absolutely no one there for you, and you, like, cannot figure out a way to stop digging the hole deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. Like, I've totally been there, and I, like, at this point, someone just really needs to go to Hermione and be like, hey, babe, you're clearly having a hard time, we forgive you, we just want you to feel good, and, like, no, Hagrid is the only person looking out for her. So I'm really glad that he does this. If I was in Hermione's position, at the end of every day, I would just set the time turner back like six hours, find somewhere private, and hardcore chill. <laughs> I would use time loops to chill. We we talked about this in the last episode, Brooke with Adel about like, um, and Haley about what like, what, I don't remember what we call it, like, time travel sickness or whatever, where, like, your body, by, like, not following a circadian rhythm and by jumping around in, like, in time zones, it makes you kind of unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sense. I can only imagine, like, jet lag for me going over across time zones. A daylight savings time screws with me, let alone traveling through time. So I don't know how I she does it. I honestly hadn't considered that. That's crazy. Yeah. When I, the, when I went, flew to Paris, like maybe like five years ago, I got like very sick from the jet lag. Like mm. it really fucked me up for a day. And I was oh, like, yeah. I was like vomitus maximus, as they say in, in <laughs> Rome. I think I said Paris previously. <laughs> I went to both on that trip. <laughs> I flew to Tokyo in college and I arrived there. Like I left at noon and I arrived there at 11 a.m. On the next day, but because of their the time loop or because of the time cycle, it was the same day. So I That's arrived. That's crazy. You I, literally put like a secret day in your life. Yeah, I arrived there. I flew for fourteen hours, and I arrived there an hour in the same day, an hour before I left. Oh, but then flying well. back, you probably yep. lost it again. So it's like daylight savings, complete nonsense. Yeah. What I should have done is I should have gotten off the plane and called myself and told me to like pick up a snack or something. <laughs> I was feeling hungry. <laughs> Speaking of feeling hungry, I told you I'm getting better with these segues. Just you wait. Hagrid suggests that Hermione has bitten off more than she can chew. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so do we think Hagrid knows about the Time Turner? Yes. Yes. He's a professor. He's, he's a professor. He has to know. Oh, indeed. And one of her overlapping classes we learn in this chapter is his class. Indeed. Yeah. I wanted to make this joke earlier. So I, I couldn't, I didn't get a chance to read the chapter, but don't worry, I, I watched mo- uh, minute 40 through 46 of the movie. And uh, can I just say, Alfonso Coren directs the shit out of this book. <laughs> uh, but in the, in the movie... They do all kinds of crazy clever things. Like there's this scene where Lockhart is doing a class and she's just not there. And then like, sh- like the camera pans away and pans back and she's there and she's asking a question and Ron's like confused. It's super mm. subtle and well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's definitely the kind of thing that makes more of an impact visually. Yeah, and it probably is super trippy to have it happen to you. Honestly, Harry's a distracted idiot who doesn't really pay attention, but I think Ron is genuinely having some like weird life vertigo right now. Some deja vu. Yeah, he's being gaslit about the fact that he's genuinely (laughs) seeing things that are weird. Ron is being gaslit left and right. He's being gaslit about his rat being eaten. He's being gaslit about Hermione's entire scheduling debacle. Because like he, I feel like Ron is the kind of guy who like is desperately afraid of of like being wrong. You know what I mean? Like I just feel like. Mm-hmm. feeling like you have the right answer and everyone's telling you you're wrong is like his worst nightmare. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's kind of the Sokka of this gang in a way. He is. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. We, we recently did a bonus episode on our Patreon um, sorting Avatar characters into Hogwarts houses. No shit, dish. We yeah. have to <laughs> listen to that. That that sounds wonderful. And I don't know whose idea what that was, but we approve. Oh, I just ran out of ideas for bonus episodes, and I'm like, well, just pick any other fandom, and we'll talk about that in the context of Harry Potter. So I'm always taking recommendations as well. That is wonderful. (laughs) And I will say, really, like, to just jump back when you mentioned earlier that Hagrid couldn't afford a lawyer and was relying on children, that is just even more of a travesty, because he's a teacher now, like yeah. they seriously uh, need a yeah. teachers union. <laughs> like, do we think he even makes real money? Uh, I don't even know if he's making he money. He lives there, and like, what does he need money for? Right. I would believe that Dumbledore pays him in like backpacks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> At first, I thought you said backpacks, and I was like, why does he need so many backpacks? It's like uh, who runs the park in Jurassic Park? The old man. Yeah, that guy. I don't remember his name either. It's like Hagrid's like the programmer in that movie. He's like, you don't appreciate me at all. <laughs> oh, man. I fucking love Jurassic Park. That's our next crossover episode. Anyway. So, okay. So here's the kicker. Okay. Here's the kicker about Hermione. She's been acting out. She's not doing okay. She's sleep deprived. But she's been making time in her time turner schedule and she's been using intellectual and emotional energy and also physical energy to help Hagrid do research for his case. Of course she has. Yeah. And the thing is that we have talked a lot before about how Hagrid really takes advantage of these children, but I feel like Hermione I feel this just that's just so not the case here. Like I feel like Hermione came to Hagrid and was like, "Here, I've done this research for you." And I feel like Hagrid had an impulse where he was like, "Oh my god, thank you so much. I'm really going to use this. I need children to help me get through my life." But I I feel like he is such an empathetic person that he like immediately was like, "Let's like talk. 
like, are you okay? Like, you look obviously not okay. And I feel like he is like, yeah, I need more help. Like, why don't you come on down and we'll, like, talk about it. Like, let's have some tea and stuff just so he can, like, keep checking in on her. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Giving her, like, a fun project to distract her from school. So do you think that he's genuinely, instead of, like, leaning on her, he's like, I need to give this, give her this thing so that she doesn't, like, go crazy? Look on me, look on me. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I thought it was interesting that, like, Hermione is always a, a, a kind of an activist. I feel like that's a core part of a, her character. And yeah. it's so funny because it's like that bitch has such a, a what, ra- ro- ro- Roldemort? Yeah, Roldemort. After you say it, like, three or four times, it starts to really roll off the tongue. Gotcha. Roldemort has, like, such contempt for Hermione whenever she's, like, doing any activist stuff. Like, in the, when she's, like, spew, she's, like... Yeah, it's a she caricature. Has to, she has to invent a fictional oppressed class that likes being oppressed. It's like the cow that wants you to eat it in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's fucking oh absurd. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's definitely not great. And um, J.K. Rowling, I mean, Voldemort, she who must not be named, even though I just said her name, she definitely does, like... I mean, she doesn't like most of her female characters. I feel like there's a couple she's really proud of, like McGonagall. You know, it's, like, unwavering. Mm. But, like, definitely, I I think you can tell that the writer thinks that Hermione's, like, a bit of a silly little girl. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, eventually, Hagrid walks them back up to the castle. Um, when they get there, the Hogsmeade date, the next Hogsmeade trip has been, like, posted on the bulletin board or whatever. Yeah, this is totally fine. We're they are good. in lockdown. Why are they letting the kids go on this field trip? <laughs> it's all the southern <laughs> states that are just taking, we don't need right. masks anymore. Like, you can go out. We, Hogsmeade we- is Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. The Screeching Shack is Florida. Hogsmeade is the South. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, so the ho- they they talk about this like bulletin board a couple times. Um like like they I feel like at like once a book you hear about the bulletin board. And I wanna know like what the Hogwarts bulletin board looks like. Does it have cute decorations? Are we like shouting out any students? Like, are there A plus papers stapled to the bulletin board? Like, do we have some letters up at the top? Are there student bands that are performing? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I want I want common room house shows. I want yeah. a misconnections corner. Ooh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Love it. Love it. You have all the like all the like studies that you can like rip off to like t- like <laughs> you know be a participant oh, yeah. in or something. It, like saw you at the Quidditch field. You turned into a cat and ran away. I wish you would come <laughs> <out>. <laughs> oh my god! I- wait, that's gonna be our next T-shirt. That was the best. <laughs> just like isolated. <laughs> Okay, I'm so sorry. One sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you, babe. <laughs> Alex, no, I okay. love your idea of doing psychological studies on the students because Hogwarts yep. has exactly zero give a fucks for I that. Know. They would be like, we're trying to see if humans do well being transfigured into cups and back. So if we could just get like six or seven <laughs> students yeah. to volunteer. Yeah. No big MVT. And when I was in college, it was, I, I mean, maybe because of the college I went to, but all the, the posted signs about... Um, about that was always like, do you smoke cigarettes? You might qualify for the study. And it, everyone always smoked cigarettes and they didn't have any money because we were all shitty college kids who smoked cigarettes. Yeah. Okay. So back to the bulletin board. 
I love that. No, that is like I, I'm, people treating it like a Pinterest board. Like I don't know. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of potential for the Her- the Hogwarts bulletin board. But so Ro- Harry's mm. and Ron are talking. You know, Ron's like, "Are you gonna come down the secret passageway that we're not telling anyone about? Are you gonna go and danger yourself?" And Harry's like, "Fuck yeah! Why would I ever do anything different? Of course I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm gonna do that thing." And then Hermione shows up. I'm going to go cough into a cafeteria full of (laughs) 80-year-old people. Yes. And then Hermione comes up and is like, Harriet, are you fucking kidding me right now? (laughs) She's like, dude. (laughs) Fucking real talk. And Harry's like, you've known me for this long. Are you even surprised? Yeah. Hermione threatens to tell Professor McGonagall about the Marauders map if Harry goes to Hogsmeade again. Like, I don't like the I'm gonna tattle card, but I don't Her- Hermione's right, obviously. Obvi- yeah, yeah. Hermione's righter than the the school administration who's permitting this trip in the first place. She's so right that uh, Dumbledore might award her some bullshit extra points at the end of the semester. <laughs> 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 Hashtag justice for Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So on Saturday, that's Hogsmeade Day, right? Okay, Hogsmeade, yay. yay. Harry Harry pretends to go up to the common room after breakfast. At, like I think I think they're like in the entrance hall. Hermione, Ron, and Harry are all in the entrance hall, and Hermione's like off by herself. And Harry's like, "Shucks, I'm sure gonna miss you today, best bud, Ron, because you're going to Hogsmeade, and I'm staying in this darn Tootin Castle." And Ron is like, "Oh yeah, bud, go on up those stairs, because I'm not gonna see you for the whole rest of the day." Wink. Wink. I mean, okay, do we think Hermione, like, believes this? I don't think she's nearby. Like, we always <laughs> we always forget that, like, Hermione's got gal pals. Like, it gets brought up every now and then, but, like, she's not alone when yeah. she's not with them. She's just with the other female friends that she has and we never see. You mean that in the, uh, in the all, all of the aughts of, uh, of common fiction, female characters have friends? <laughs> that aren't the main character? Dude, I truly regret what? that um that we don't see more of Hermione's female friendships. And also it's interesting that you say that because today I learned two words that I've never said out loud before, so just bear with me. Okay, there's a protagonist and then there's a deuteragonist. No and then there's a tritagonist. Whoa. The, it, it's like it's like the main character, the second main character, and the third main character. And I learned about this in the context of Wow, this is such a tangent, but I think it's interesting. Um, I googled Li Shang from Mulan just because yeah. he's hot, and the yes, guy who administered the guy who administered my um, COVID vaccine today looked like him. So I just like was pulling up some pictures to really compare and contrast. Um, <laughs> and Wikipedia was like Li Shang is the tritagonist of Mulan, and I was like, wait a fucking second. And I have a whole ass degree in like lit- literary analysis. I've never heard the words deuteragonist and tritagonist before. <laughs> you made that up. <laughs> but then I googled it, the. I literally googled the phrase examples of tritagonist because I really wanted to like dig into it, right? So like in Mulan, it's like Mulan's the protagonist, Mushu's the deuteragonist, and then Li Shang is the tritagonist. Okay, but when you Google examples of tritagonist. Almost all of the examples were women like Hermione, where it was like the hero, his best friend, and then that bitch. And (laughs) (laughs) there was almost all the examples were that exact structure. That's a t-shirt. The hero, his best friend, and that bitch. (laughs) It's like the hero, his best friend, and a girl in a leather vest. 
Yes, yes. And it's like, one of us is gonna fuck her, dude. Like, one of the two of us, It's depending on the tone of the story, one of us is gonna fuck the only woman that we know. Mm. What do you think the terms get to by the end of Game of Thrones? You're like, this is the septagonist of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Oh my god. Wow. (laughs) Um, okay, where are we? So, Neville's following Harry around. Yeah. Harry, okay, so Harry's trying to get in to the secret passage. He's at the secret passage with his invisibility cloak because he's being super smart and secure this time. And Neville is like so desperately trying to chill because Neville's ostensibly or like presumably, Haley saw me the word ostensibly recently and I've been using it too much. So presumably is a more appropriate word here. What's the, what's um, the statue? What's the, what, the what one-eyed the statue one-eyed witch. The one-eyed oh yes, witch, the yeah. one-eyed witch. Yeah. So um, they're I, they're the only third years who like aren't at Hogsmeade right now. So Neville's. De- I mean, if I were Neville, I would also be desperately trying to chill. Like, I get it. But, like, Harry, Harry is like, oh, fuck, how do I get out of this? So, like, here's a message to Harry and everyone else. If you don't want to hang out with a friend, you just need to be really straightforward with them. Be like, hey, it's not about you, but I'm really feeling being by myself. Today. I'm going to hang out by this one-humped witch. One-eyed humped witch. <laughs> she also <laughs> only has one hump. Um, one-eyed, one-humped. One-eyed and- witch has one hump. <laughs> <laughs> one-eyed witch has one hump. She's a one-hump witch. Yeah, yes, she is a one-up kind of witch. So also then Snape shows up and is like, people will think you're up to something. (laughs) Except I didn't pause nearly long enough in the middle of that (laughs) sentence. And also that's from Sorcerer's Gen. Harry is getting seriously hog-blocked here. Uh, It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like way grosser than like the original, (laughs) I think. Oh my god, next time I'm wing womaning for anyone, I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna hog block you. <laughs> that means like, you're gonna protect and you're them. Like, you don't wanna you know. Don't wanna know. <laughs> They're gonna, you're just gonna protect them from pieces of trash. <laughs> no, man. Hot, well, actually, no, there you go. When you're driving your drunk friend home at the end of the night and they are begging you to go get unnecessary takeout food, oh, that's when you're hog blocking someone. That's good. Oh, nice. That's Fuck. good. Brooke, I love that so much. I'm that's gonna wonderful. email Webster's and see <laughs> about getting this into the dictionary. Let me know if it gets approved. I would love to put that on my resume. Maybe someone will finally hire me. We, we're gonna need some royalties for some of these shirts <laughs> we're generating now, right? Uh, <laughs> Brooke, can I offer you um, instead maybe like an urban dictionary listing is that the same kind of thing i will take that actually (laughs) yeah um okay so as a reminder snape professor snape is neville's literal greatest fear in the world he's neville's bogart so neville's like obviously we're gonna do whatever snape says snape is like what are you doing here as a reminder he can literally read minds and he sends them back to the common room. So Harry, like, walks with Neville to the common room and then ducks back and loops back to the statue. It's very silly. Just by giving him the password. Poor oh, Neville. Yeah. Oh, wow, at least he let him into the common room. Oh, my Wait. God. Oh, He's no. alone. <laughs> He's alone in the castle. He can get back in. It's Neville, the saddest thing is Neville just... He just wants to like play D D or like board games or whatever. He just wants. He to He needs hang a out. friend. Yeah. yeah, he's like Will from the third season of Stranger Things, just walking around like, "Can we play D D now, guys?" <laughs> oh my god! He's like, "I I got this new copy of Settlers of Catan, and I'm looking to like break it in." What do you guys say? He really needs to be a Hufflepuff, and here is a uh-huh. new headcanon I have because you said Settlers of Catan. I feel like Hufflepuff <laughs> Common Room has like a pretty dope board game show. Oh, they for have the best. Sure. 
Maybe ra- well, rivaled with Ravenclaws. Ravenclaws go over to the Hufflepuff common room. They just have like Sagrada and like Sudoku and shit. Yeah. The, I feel like Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff have different kinds of games with for different kinds of reasons. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Ravenclaw has like Set and like Sagrada and Sudoku and all the like brainy games. And then Hufflepuff has... Candyland, Connect Four, Hungry fucking, Hungry Hippos. Yeah, fucking what's with the one with real live hippos? Oh my god, don't you just love that? <laughs> um, Mancala. I fucking love that game. I'll play that game by my damn self. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Harry gets to Hogsmeade. Um, Ron's there. Ron's like, "What took you so long?" And Harry's like, "I'm so there's a murder. I'm sorry if things are a little harder for me." Yeah, these I days. had to dodge like Wizard Customs. Okay, it's not easy. Yes. They straight raid Zonka's go- joke shop. It's Harry's first time in. Yes. They also check out the post office so that Harry can see the post office. Okay. I think it's cooler in Wizard World than it is in our world. The post office kind of sucks here. I mean, it's like a wall of owls, which, okay, cool. I get it. I, I do get it. That's cool in a sense. But I don't know if it's like, hey, you've you've risked your life to be here. What's the number one thing we got to go do? Check out the post office. Oh, yeah, post post office. yeah that's true. Yeah, I that. gotcha. I mean, that's where all the cute birdos are. It's true. They have cute little little screech owls and stuff. I was delighted. Uh, one of the types, like the tiny little scops owls that only do uh, local deliveries only. So cute. Which is also the kind of, um, of owl that Pidwigen is and it, yeah. when I was in elementary school, my the same class that put on a live audio version play of the Sorcerer's Stone also adopt like we did a fundraiser. I don't remember how we raised the money, but we raised a fundraiser and adopted a bird from our local Raptor Center, and it was a little Scots owl named Pidwigen. That's so oh, yeah. cool. That's Hufflepuff we- AF. We got updates from the Raptor Center like every month on like how Pidwigen was doing and we got to go see her. It was the coolest thing ever. And actually you, that was so successful that you had our Girl Scout troop do the same thing with a a different (laughs) owl. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that. You're right. And we went to the Raptor Center and like did that little tour. That was awesome. To like see the owl. We also volunteered there. We cleaned their trails for a day. It was great. What a wholesome story. I love that so much. <laughs> so when they progress to Zonko's joke shop, I have a single issue. Okay. Mm, right? What's that issue? So they, they purchase dung bombs. I get it. They purchase hiccup sweets. I get it. I love okay. all of these. Yeah, you're going to list them all out and I love it. Keep they, going. They purchase a nose biting teacup. I get yeah. it. I would get that for Haley for her birthday. All of these are excellent practical jokes. Uh-huh. What I do not understand is frog spawn soap alex had the same <laughs> weird like she paused for a second and she was like what is frog spawn soap so i'm assuming my assumption was it is a block of what looks like soap but it's actually made out of frog spawn which is very very slimy and i'm like that doesn't even sound like a good prank that just sounds like a great way to forget and play yourself yeah. <laughs> wow that's really true what is frog spawn it's is like it's... tadpoles. Oh, I like yeah. before yeah, they the, get to tadpoles, though. the spawn of frogs. Well, yeah, I was gonna say like these frogs be getting. You just have a lot of frogs getting nasty in the back in the back garden, <laughs> and they gotta they gotta offput it somehow. Alternately, do we think it's soap that every time you use it, it spawns a frog? That would be that's a good prank. Yeah, 
That's a way better prank than just, like, being a gross bar of soap. You're, like, washing your hair, and instead of, like, the grudge where the hand comes out, just a frog comes out of your hair and pops away. That's hilarious. It's, like, almost, it goes hand in hand with chocolate frogs. Like, you know, it's, like, are you expecting the frog, or are you not expecting the frog? Right. Okay, so what I liked about their time at Zonko's is that Harry reflects that it's the sort of place that Fred and George would like, right? Mm-hmm. I always have to be like, right, because I don't keep my book in front of me because, as we've mentioned, it's a Bloomsbury Illustrated Edition. It's quite loud and big. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I like that little bit of foreshadowing because you're like, yeah, they would actually be happy just, like, being here. So after Zonkos, they go to the Shrieking Shack. What are some other good Zonkos? Like, what would Zonkos sell? We've got, like, whistling shriekers. <laughs> patty whackers. Yeah, patty whackers. <laughs> there you go. I'm a little bit, um... I don't know if biased is the right word or like, uh, well, I was very recently at Universal where they have like an actual Zonko joke shop and they have a lot of the candies that they have puking pastels, which I know are Fred and George original, but they sold them at Zonko's and um, I got them for my work friends. Because when you go out of town and you take off work, you got to buy just a little something something for your work friends. Mm -hmm. And um, they had, I think they had the teacup thing and I've always been like, I don't think I want to play, pay, like, $45 or whatever to find out, like, what this joke is, because everything there is, like, $45. Mm. <laughs> I honestly, like, I really like in the films when th- they have that scene. I don't think it's at Zonko's. They have a Honeyduke scene. No, I'm talking about, I think, when they're at Fred and George's shop, and it's, like, a very nonsense place to be. Like, it's, it's, it's like, so cool to feel like you're, like, in that. And th- that's one of the things that's cooler to see than it is to read, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. I just love the, she like, she lists them off so effortlessly, it makes it sound like there's just oodles and oodles of them. Yes. Yeah. I would definitely want to go, if I were a student at the shop, I'd be most excited to go into be Honeydukes because I want to see beyond the, like, cooking or the candies, if there's, like, pastries, is there a bakery, like, how oh, yeah. deep does Honeydukes go? There's sour, sour ducks, they're sour candies that make you do the duck face. <laughs> oh, I like that. Brooke, I remember, I think it was the beginning of this book where for one episode we asked if you were like just set loose in Diagon Alley, because this is the book where Harry gets set loose in Diagon Alley, like wh- what would you do? And I think you said that you would obviously go for the sweets. Candy all day. Yeah, day. absolutely. But I yeah. also used to, there was a whole period of time in my life where I woke up every morning and started my day by eating a handful of gummy bears, which I kept by my bed. This was not as a child. This was like my like early to mid 20s. Every single day I woke up and ate a handful of gummy bears. You know what? That's good for your Living soul. Living your best life. This is a slight tangent, but a few years ago, I went to a really nerdy. Um, it was a Harry Potter like murder mystery kind of dinner. It was like a like a like an RPG Oh my god, Haley's next birthday party. I love that. We all basically LARPed as uh, Harry Potter characters and we had this big art auction. And my character was a guy who made beautiful paintings on invisibility cloaks. So they were beautiful, trust me, but you can't see them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I've definitely been at a Ren Fest before where there's just like a hanger that says invisibility cloak. I have a vivid memory of seeing that somewhere. I love it. 
Speaking of invisibility cloak, Harry's fucking wearing his. So mm. him and Ron are on a date to view the most haunted place in Britain together. But it looks like Ron's just like having himself a deep, nice think, you know, yeah. like out by the haunted house. Well, I will point out here that the way that they describe this in my version of the book is uh, with the boarded up windows and a dank overgrown garden. Yeah, the dank that, garden. That garden is dank. It is, dank and you AF. know what? That is the perfect place to grow your own your own medicinal like drugs of purposes. Like that's actually spot on because no one's gonna go there. I, that's yeah. where I'm like all of like yeah. the alt goth kids at um like if like Hogwarts had like the different cliques from high schools. You know your stoners would totally be going out to the shrieking shack to do like weird culty magic shit, and they would be wow. grow- they would be growing their drugs out in the garden. No one would ever <laughs> they know. Wear, they wear Twilight T-shirts because they know it pisses everyone off. <laughs> I was saying that Ron, uh, Ron's just, uh, you know, he's struggling on whether or not to tell Harry how he feels. Oh, (laughs) oh, Juan Juan. Oh my God. Sorry, this is completely off topic, like deeply off topic. But I just remembered when we mentioned Twilight, I have before on this show, or not on this show, but on Movie Night Crew mentioned that I was first introduced to Twilight by a friend handing me the book well before anyone knew about it. And it was Alex. (laughs) Hi. That's oh my me. gosh! Wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And then I love it, Brooke. You, I remember we did an exchange. I think because you read Twilight, and then I read. Um, I'm forgetting uh, the name, but it Tamara Pierce's novels. Oh yeah, yeah like, Trickster's, Trickster's Choice. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. A classic. So, <sighs> Alex liked Twilight before it was cool, and I hated Twilight before it was cool. So dang it. <laughs> No, Alex did like Twilight before it was cool, and I can also claim that I liked Twilight before it was cool because of Alex. You're welcome. So yeah, this dank garden, we thought, what are some good, like, <laughs> like what would the weed strains be for, for this dank garden? <laughs> um, long bottom leaf. Long bottom leaf is good. The one that we came up with was Mandrake OG. I like that as well. I like mm-hmm. that as well. <laughs> Um, I don't do drugs, so I don't know how to contribute to this conversation. I don't do drugs either. What are you talking about? You could have made the long bottom leaf joke your damn self. Because <laughs> that's a that's a little that's a little Tolkien crossover. And if y'all haven't read Lord of the Rings yet, they smoke weed in it. So why not start today? That's the finest mountain weed in all. The- <laughs> oh, maybe a pineapple express play where it's the Hogwarts Express. Ooh, there you go. Would take you straight to Magic Town. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. So Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle roll up on what they believe to be is like a completely solitary Ron just looking at the Shrieking Shack. And they start talking shit about like, wow, I bet you want to live there because you're poor. That's the only thing that we have in our arsenal is how poor you are. Our cast system is a one note, one note show always. Yes. So, quote, the opportunity was too good to miss. Unquote. Um, <laughs> Malfoy starts talking shit about Harry, Hagrid while Harry gets in position to start throwing mud at them. Harry's schlepping handfuls of mud, which that's dedication. As like, I don't think I would just be like, yeah, mud. I, I, I'd start with a rock or something where I wouldn't get icky, you know. But it's good. The payoff is great. The the snow in the cur- the movie is much more cinematic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We watched uh, Where the Wild Things Are last night. Oh. And- which is a wonderful, weird, like, super mood 
like big mood movie. And in that movie, like the, at one point they throw like mud dirt clods at each other as like they're doing like a war. And these clods are like the size of this kid's head. Like if this if this kid ever got struck by one of these clods, he would die. <laughs> Damn. So it's probably best that uh, Malfoy is, is or Harry is slinging mud. It, it also yeah. works because the uh, fuck Malfoy. I uh, hope his robes get ruined. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a very important note here because I'm going to quote directly from the text. Please do. It says, Crab and Goyle were looking scared. Their bulging muscles were no use against ghosts. <laughs> I Wait, I noted this too. I want to be clear. Is this the first time we hear of Crab and Goyle being like muscular? Like I always assumed they were big boys. Like we we hear about them being like, like big, you yeah. know? But like, are they low key kind of like hunky? They super swole. This implies that there's, like, a gym in Hogwarts. Like, you can't just be this buff, you know? Like, there has to be a way. Like, we only previously hear about them just, like, eating a bunch. Mm. And that they're, like, tall and, like... But, like, this is... They're hanging out in, like, the Slytherin common room doing, like, pull-ups off the rafters or some shit. They hit puberty before their classmates, so they're, like, doing, like, raw, eating raw eggs for breakfast. And Now I'm picturing Slytherin's common room as just, like, a sweaty gym. It is in the dungeons, <laughs> in the very basement. Alex, you saying that they hit puberty early reminded me that that the narrative is from Harry's perspective, really. So Harry's a scrawny little kid, and maybe they literally have just started to fill out slightly, and he's like, oh my god, they're so buff. <laughs> Harry's like, Crab and Goyle were looking hunky. I was like, mm. <laughs> Harry was like, I'm into Draco. No, wait, Crab and Goyle? No, wait, huh? Why no, wait, so no, wait. <laughs> Mmm, Harry, all the boys want you. So Harry goes on to terrorize Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle until until it escalates, and he tries to tra- he tries to trip Crab, and the invisibility cloak comes off. I know Brooke just fucking turned off her camera because Mike walked in naked. I will hundred percent guarantee that's what just <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, so the cloak comes off of Harry and and Malfoy, and I mean they all see his head just like floating there. So they scream and they run because they're like, that's a fucking head. <laughs> it's funny to me that they that they flee because I just I feel like Draco has it in him to just even be like, you might just be Harry's head, but I'm still here to talk shit. You know yeah. what I mean? I think it's because Draco immediately recognizes the opportunity he's been given to be able to tell on Harry. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's that Slytherin resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a strange way to say weasel. <laughs> Like, rat. We try to talk pretty neutrally about Slytherins because they get a bad rap. They get a bad rap. We have some beloved Slytherins on the cast, but Malfoy's not the example we need. People are like, he's so hot. I'm like, he's a flaming racist, though. (laughs) Like, Yeah, no, he's not hot. It's the notion that Harry might be in love with him. That's hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is bad. I can't argue with that. It's with an avatar. I everyone is like, oh, uh, Katara and uh, Aang, or Katara and Zuko, and I'm like, no, y'all got those all wrong. It is Zuko and Sokka. I'm Team Zuka all Zuka. day. Zuka so for the I like can totally yeah. get in with some Harry and and Draco action, faux show. Honestly, Sokka, Zuko, 
is a fucking power couple. Right? I know. <laughs> Al, okay. you said you said that uh, that you could get behind Harry and Malfoy. Well, so can all of DeviantArt and all <laughs> of Tumblr. So Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle, they run, they're screaming, and Ron's like, Harry, you need to run at this time. And Harry's like, I will. And he fucking dips. And he runs all the way back to Hogwarts, which... I couldn't run all the way back to Hogwarts. I get the feeling it's like three to five miles is my guess. Like, it's like, it's a hike. I mean, they, they take what? They take carriages there. So it's not like a yes. few blocks away. It's far. So he fucking runs. He, get, he, 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 it's so far that he gets a stitch in his side and he's like a, a like a skinny 13 year old athlete. He gets to the castle. He exits the passage. He leaves the cloak behind because he's like, I can't get caught with this. He doesn't think about the map or the fucking Zonka's <laughs> shit. But he's like, yeah. the clo- I think it's because he's like, I cannot <laughs> lose this because I've lost it before. No, he's thinking like a 13 year old. Like, oh, I can't get caught with this invisibility cloak. But I'm going to want those treats later. <laughs> but like, I mean, he just paid for them. Why doesn't he just run in the invisibility cloak like i don't he's not have you ever going tried running in a cloak yeah i mean yeah i can do it if i have to it listen if, it gets tangly it gets tangled i was thinking that if snape is after me i'm i'm gonna stay invisible all right <laughs> i mean i probably would that that's some that's the thing is i snape intercepts harry in two seconds at this statue so if Harry had been wearing the invisibility cloak, here's what here's what Harry should have done. Is he should have fucking sat in the statue and not made a damn sound and did the old Lumos on his wand, looked at the Marauder's map and like, where's Snape? Oh, he's standing uh-huh. the fuck outside the yeah. statue. But what? What if Snape le- never left? Because he knew Harry was in there. Because he can fucking read minds. Ooh. Um, so Snape can read minds the whole time and also Dumbledore can read minds the whole time. That's like something to remember and sometimes it's like, wow, this plot is really weird if you remember the fact that Snape can read minds. Yeah. It's almost like some things she was making up as she went along. <laughs> it's like so how in, in Star Wars, like Luke kisses Leia and then you later find out they're your brother and sister and you're like, oh, hey. right, so they just made this up as they went along. That's fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. So Snape runs into Harry like right outside the the fucking statue, and and, and it's the exact same spot where Snape found him being suspicious like four hours ago or whatever. Uh, of so course he would go right back there. Snape's like, "We're going to my office. Like you're in trouble for something for sure. I'm not sure what yet, but like, you're fucking in trouble. So let's go." Um, Snape takes Harry down to his office. The last time Harry was there, he was in big trouble too. Snape confronts Harry Ooh, about what Malfoy you're saw. In trouble. Quick question. How fast did Malfoy move? Because, th- I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think it was Zach's note about the carriages is the key. Oh, yeah, the carriages. Okay, so Malfoy took a fucking carriage. Okay, great. So Harry did pretty good, considering. Snape is like, Harry, Malfoy saw this. And Harry suggests that Malfoy was hallucinating. This is what I like Harry the most, when he's just making shit up on the spot. And yeah. it's always, it's it's never great, but it makes me love him. He's like, oh, well, obviously Malfoy's hallucinating. I don't know what else to tell you. Better shit that I could make up than when I was 13. <laughs> he's just like, sounds like a crazy person to me. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, uh, Harry speed the route back to Hogwarts. He yes. Used, he utilized the very iconic um, one-eyed witch statue glitch to uh, clip, through the, <laughs> clip through the map. <laughs> so Snape asks Harry for an alibi and Harry just doesn't answer. <laughs> yeah. 
He's got, he's out of lies. He can only do so much. He's a Gryffindor. His bluff checks are no longer, they're no longer rolling up high numbers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's spiraling. So, so here's the thing is you have to like think about how frustrated Snape is in this moment. He can read it in Harry's mind. He's got to be able to. Harry's just like raw adrenaline and emotion right now. Snape can read in Harry's mind that Harry should be in trouble for fucking sneaking out of the castle. But Snape like knows he has to get something in order to like validate this claim. And it, it must be so frustrating. So Snape is, is trying to goad him. He's like, how dare you? You give zero shits about how everyone has been breaking their backs to try to protect your life, which that's a valid point. That's a pretty valid point. But, like, what's not valid is bringing up this child's dead father in order to get a rise out of him. It is true. It's true. It's true. But it's also the first time that Snape's brought up James Potter in three books, which, considering what I know about Snape's character, I feel like took a lot of self-control. I know, but, like, come on, man. This goes back to, like, adults not being good adults in basically this entire series. Because, like... This is a moment where you, as the adult, have to be like, ooh, there's an easy way for me to get him angry and have him tell me things, which is to insult his dead father, or right. I can be the adult in this scenario. Yeah, and not, not only does he insult his dead father, but he he plants that seed that Harry carries with him, I would argue, for the whole rest of this series of, like, your dad was not this god. You you believe him to be. Like, right. your dad was a really flawed human, and he personally, I, like, I feel personally victimized by him, honestly. So, yeah, Snape maliciously, like, lays out, like, Harry's like, fuck you. Harry starts screaming. Harry's like, fuck you. My dad saved your life. Dumbledore told me, I know everything. I'm 13 and you can't kill me. And Snape's like, fuck you, dude, because the only reason your dad had to save my life is because his punk ass friends were playing like a very shitty trick on me. So your dad was a fucking dick. And I think that for no reason, it has nothing to do with your mom. Thank you for asking. (laughs) But like, honestly, Snape's like, uh, Snape's kind of spiraling emotionally, but like, I mean... He, he, I mean, he's telling the truth about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> after this, he like goes back to his desk and slams his fist and like pulls out a, a magic decanter that gives him some vodka and pulls his like pulls his hair out and he's just like, Ugh. and then a picture of Lily that he's gotten a heart locket that he just <laughs> yeah. stares at while he takes a long sip. It winks at him sometimes. Uh, yeah, I, as weird as it is, I will always forever stand Snape. He is my favorite character in the entire series. Well, how can you not stand the wonderful and talented? I loved him before it was Alan Rickman. We are planning uh, a bonus episode in the next, what, five years about Snape. We're going to have a classic. There's a word for what a classic debate is, like high school status, but we're going to do it about Snape's character. So oh, I will not be arguing. I'm a Hufflepuff and it hurts my feelings when my friends don't understand my point of view. <laughs> and also, Andrew is very intimidating when it comes to arguments. So other people will be fighting. I, I can eat Andrew for breakfast in an argument, and I have. Brooke, I was hoping I could tap you in for this. <laughs> and I do, I hope you eat Andrew for breakfast when it comes to Snape's character. Uh, moving on. Um, that's the cool thing about running your own podcast is you can just say your point and then say, moving on. That's right. <laughs> I make the rules here. I make the rules here. Um, so... Snape demands that Harry turns his pockets out. And Harry's like, wow, I was so smart to leave the invisibility cloak behind. But what he does have in his pockets is a Zonko's bag full of Zonko's joke shit. 
Yeah, Harry doesn't pull any, like, sovereign citizen shit. He's not like, yeah, you can't arrest me because I am not a uh, individual. I am I am a citizen. Uh, I'm not. And, and he also has the Marauders map. Okay, and he's like, don't even worry about this. Ron brought these to me. This, uh, this is an evidence. This is circumstantial, which is true in an American court of law, I think, but certainly not true um, to Professor Snape at Hogwarts. He's like, that's just my handkerchief. I just, you know, I blow my nose on that thing. I don't give a shit about it at all. <laughs> yeah, so Harry's like, I don't even care about that shitty paper. And Snape's like, I can read your mind. So I'm going to throw it onto this fire. And Harry's like, wait, no, don't throw it on the fire. So Snape's like, this is more than just a piece of shitty paper. He's like, no, I was just, I was just doing a painting and I liked the texture of the parchment. (laughs) Wow. And that is, that would have been like a great cover is to like, Mm. just start crying about your art. You know what I mean? Snape would be like, whoa, (laughs) I don't know what to do with this. So Snape starts trying to gain access to the Marauders map and the map talks back. I read this bit in the intro. Um, it's pretty classic. Very important. Snape finally gets through by saying, Professor Severus Snape, master of this school, commands you to yield the information you conceal. And like, okay, so Snape considers himself master of the school and he can't even get a fucking promotion to the job that he actually wants okay <laughs> it's true i read it as like a master of the school not like i don't know there is no article there it is yeah, simply there, there is professor no severus snape master of the school could be a master could be the master doesn't i'll leave just, it up to you doesn't he just say like reveal your secrets though in this in this moment he does that and then he does show yourself and then he does Professor Severus Snape, uh, you know, king of the five winds, uh, master of the school, <laughs> slitheriest uh, of the slime of balls. Breaker of chains. Breaker of chains, yeah. of the great grassy. So Snape gets, okay, so the, the map fucking insults him. It says a bunch of shit. I read it in the intro. It's, it's talking shit. Okay. Here, I understand that, for example, if Arthur Weasley was like, Marauder's map, show me what you got. The Marauder's map, might clap back with some good-natured insults, but, like, does the Marauder's map know Severus Snape? I think so. All right. Are you ready for my theory on this one? Yeah, lay it on me. Wizarding World, paintings be talking. They maintain a little bit of the person's personality. I think that it's not a far reach to say that the Marauder's map is in some ways like a painting created by these boys, and therefore a part of their personality is retained within the map. That's so cool. It's almost like an unevil Horcrux. You know what I mean? It's like a piece of, like, almost like a photograph. Like, And so that was the other thing I was thinking, because Snape is like, oh, clearly this has dark magic. And Lupin's like, that's nonsense. And it's like, it's kind of not. We just had a whole journal issue last year where there was someone's like personality and soul trapped yeah. in a journal. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. It was hella dark magic. That it was deeply, but that's a one-off, you know, like that'll never happen again. Yeah. I mean, but this is the exact same thing. This is paper talking to a man with insults from his past. In the wizarding world, I feel like you should never say that's ridiculous. Cause like. That's true. Everything. Like, Unless you're everything. fighting a bogger. Yeah, Ugh. this class is ridiculous. So speaking of ridiculous, Severus Snape goes to the fireplace, he grabs some shit and he throws some shit into the fireplace and he's like, Lupin, I need to talk to you. And Harry's like, my mind is bewildered. I've never seen this magic before. This is so confusing to me. But he, I mean, he's seen it it's before. Flip- this is get Lupin power. On, on fire FaceTime? Yeah, he gets, he gets Lupin yeah. on fire FaceTime. Now this is a new definition of fireside chat. 
<laughs> Literally, it's like, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Like, Lupin's like, I'm here. I'm fully dressed. Like, I'm, I'm not even chilling. It's like, I'm I always- was real close to my fireplace, so this is convenient. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Lupin rolls out the fireplace, and Snape is like, do you, I, do you see this map? And I, I get really confused about how much Snape knows about Lupin, how much Lupin knows about Snape, how much each of them knows about Sirius Black at any given time. So, okay, so Lupin says Harry probably got this at Zonko's, and then Snape is like, I think he got it directly from the manufacturers. Is Snape trying to say, I know you and your bitch-ass friends who used to bully me made a map together, and I think this is that fucking map, and I swear to God I'm going to break into it no matter what? Yes. Like, we think that there's all of that... I think that 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 context is a hundred percent implied. But then here. Lupin must be the chillest motherfucker because he's like interesting. This is like a mild, interesting, cur- magical curiosity to mm. me. Like this is a funny joke. I don't know. Like it's just crazy to me to think okay. of all the backstory here. Here's the thing: your husband, we have established, is very much like Lupin. <laughs> yeah, he would. <laughs> On a small scale level. I have seen you catch Sean eating something he's not supposed to be eating, and all he does is, like, freeze, smile, shrug, and walk away like nothing happened. <laughs> so, I 100% believe, based on Sean's personality and similarity to Lupin, that he is able to be this fucking cool in this moment. Also, speaking from experience of how much my dog tries to deny she did something wrong when he gets into, like, the trash, or shits in the house and just refuses <laughs> to He's look. like, somebody else shot. He it looks away me. and is yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. that wasn't me. He, he, can't, he can't make eye contact with you when he's in trouble. <laughs> You're and like, Pop, you what did you do? It. And he like sulks into the corner. Okay, so that, that reminds me once more that the narrator of this scene is Harry. And maybe there's a lot of like body language subtext going on here that Harry is not clocking at all. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Mary, maybe Lupin's not making eye contact. Like, so Lupin's like, don't even worry about this dude. Harry got this at Zon- Zonka's, surely. And then Ron Burson being like, I gave Harry that stuff. I ran all the way here from Hogsmeade for no reason. Don't ever worry about it. I knew exactly where you were in Snape's office. When Harry like comes out of the statue and Snape is like right there, I in my head I pictured Harry just like doubled over, like panting, <laughs> yeah. exa- and then he sees Snape and he just like tries to like nonchalantly like lean against the. So, <laughs> Snape. But- but Ron doesn't have the wherewithal to do that here. He's just yeah. like out of context. Harry's innocent. I know, like I know nothing. Ron isn't even like ride or die in this scene. He's just ready to die. Like he doesn't even need the ride. He's just like I have come to throw myself on the pyre for my oh, friend. Captain, my captain. <laughs> okay, Ron. Okay, Ron captain is Ron. a good friend. <laughs> Ron's a good friend, and I truly believe that the only reason he's mad at Hermione right now is because she is not being a true friend, and that's all he wants in this life, because the trio represents the other three houses, and Ron is Hufflepuff. Alright, um, so Lupin's like, cool, great, I'm glad this was your, like just a big misunderstanding, obviously Ron's here to save the day, Harry just has this weird parchment, I'm here to validate it, I'm the defense against the Dark Arts teacher, I'm gonna take it with me, nothing special, I just want to dispose of it properly, we recycle here at Hogwarts, let's <laughs> let's go, 
And Snape, I believe, just like mouth agape, watches them all exit his office. And he's like, how did I, how did I fuck this one up? I thought I had them all in my hands. And now they're all walking out of here. Lupin has been here exactly one year and he's like already outranks Snape. What is that about? I think he just like outsmarts Snape. Yeah. I think he just like, he like bumbles him. It's, it's like if you like throw someone an object, they'll try to catch it and you can just walk past it. You know? <laughs> That's like a, such a lovely metaphor for what just happened. So in the entrance hall, Lupin is like evidently like a little bit mad at, he's like madder in the entrance hall at Harry and Ron than he was in Snape's office because he, he goes from trying to protect Harry from Snape to trying to protect Harry for his damn idiot self. Like he's like, Literally, Harry, like, I know exactly what this is. I'm not going to tell you any backstory. Don't even worry about it. I'm just going to hint mysteriously. It's not cool that you have this. You definitely should have turned it in. And, like, just to reiterate, everyone that you literally know is breaking their backs trying to protect you bodily from a murderer. And I, I can't believe you're this stupid. But surely on some level, he can believe that Harry's that stupid, you know? Because he was best friends with James. I do yeah. want to point out here, though, how I almost had a, ooh, George R. R. Martin there much uh, moment with uh, the writing when it's like, uh, to quote directly, I cannot take, I cannot make you take serious black seriously. (laughs) (laughs) And then two sentences later, your parents gave their lives to keep you alive. So oh, I get it. No. Yeah, little. We, I didn't clock that at all. My brain is so tired after a long, hard day editing that I just like don't even notice those things in the books I read. It was just oh bad. yikes! Yeah, yeah, that's a big old yikes. Yeah, I know it's for children, but I think uh, Voldemort could have made some better diction choices here. Why so serious, Black? You can definitely see the the pr- like the progress of her editors kind of like tapping out slightly, you know. Like yeah. every book, it's more and more. If not her, then her editors for sure should have caught that. Yes, I agree. As an editor, I agree. Da, 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 da. But also, this was the time when she was kind of like the books were getting popular enough yeah. that I I feel like that's the point. Very much to your point, Al, about like. J.R. George R.R. Martin, where it's like once you get famous enough, you have a, too much pushback against your own editors for anybody to be making good choices. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk about? We don't have to talk about it, but George R.R. Martin is like, I'm going to be R.R. because of Tolkien. Yeah, I said that sounds, so. I said that the that other sounds day. badass. <laughs> I was like, he he totally just pulled that so that he could be the the like, just get a monopoly on the name there. It's very silly. It's like, I'm RR now, too. And you're just like, what are you, a Tolkien weeb? Like, RR cringe. means I'm a dope fucking fantasy writer. So. George R. R. Martin is to J.R.R. Tolkien what Neville is to Harry. <laughs> wow. Started at the bottom, now we're here. All right, so to wrap up the chapter, Harry and Ron are walking back to the common room, just stunned that they made it out of that one alive. And they encounter Hermione. And for a second, it's like, wait. We're fighting. But then she's like, dude, Hagrid lost his, like, case thing with Buckbeak. And now Buckbeak's going to be executed. I mean, just this whole fucking book, I think the main the main being that I care the most for is Buckbeak. Interesting. I, just, I absolutely adore Buckbeak. And I, I, I remember being heartbroken as a kid reading about, like, him being sentenced to death. I was like, no, Buckbeak. So would you say he's the character you're the most worried about? 
I, I I think so at this point. We don't know about Hermione's time turner yet. So for all we know, oh. this well, is just going to be some... We always approach this from the perspective of knowing everything. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? I see. Well, then I guess I'm not worried for any character because I know how everything works out. I'm worried for Sirius because I know he dies later. How about that? <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. That now you're now you've gone too far. <laughs> what about you, Brooke? Who 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 are you most worried about right now? Oh gosh, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because like you should be most worried for Harry. There's a murderer after him, but we've seen him evade death so many times that even on a, like a first read, it's hard to take it seriously. You're right. He's not very emotionally developed. Yeah, I think at at this point, I don't know. I'm real worried for Hermione. She's clearly not okay. But I'm also just real worried for Hagrid. Like, Hagrid doesn't take loss well. And, like, he's very fresh off of another creature incident, placing him in Azkaban. So, I don't know. I feel like he's, like, more fragile than I, I think he is depicted as in most of the series. Yeah. What about you, Alex? Who, are, who? Which character are you most worried about? So I'm going to say, if I'm mean, at the high level, I'm most worried about Hermione because self care girl. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't pour from the empty vessel. Uh, we all have heard the analogy of the face mask. You know, make sure yours is tightly secured before you assist others. And she is not following that mentality right now. The fact that she is trying to help Hagrid and be everything for everybody. And I know she's taken this uh, thing. Hermione's about- like, what if it was finals week all the time? And also <laughs> speaking personally about someone who loves animals and ends up you can't help the animal you end up with and speaking from someone who has a difficult cat i understand how hermione feels here and she feels really tough but um so yeah i'm most worried about her um but i think also low-key i'm worried about filch because always be a little bit worried about filch because at the beginning of the (laughs) chapter when they're like trying to bulk up security and everyone's like on high everybody's on high alert and really worried like filch is like really excited he's going around the castle like like plugging up holes and it's He's bustling up and down the corridors, boarding up everything from the cracks in the walls to the mouse holes. And the day that I'm seeing Filch smiling is a bad day. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really worried shit's about to go down. A-B-L-K-W-A-F. Uh, Always be low-key worried about Filch. Yeah, we can't emphasize that enough. So I I agree. I'm very worried about Hermione for all the reasons that y'all listed. And I'm also a little bit worried about Lupin because he has a lot going on in this book that we never get to see. Mm-hmm. First of all, he has a, what I consider to be the equivalent of like a, a chronic illness that takes him out for several days every month. Yeah. And his former best friend is trying to murder his other former former best friend's son who's kind of a jackass kind of cool we're not sure yet like it's it's lupin has a lot going on this year he's trying not to murder his beloved students like (laughs) i hope he's okay and spoiler alert this book doesn't turn out great for him one thing that i wanted to do real quick and we can always cut it if it doesn't work but on our podcast at the end of the episode we give out uh, what we call experience points, which in D&D, when you roll a one on your uh, 20-sided die, it's called a critical fail. And it's just whatever you're trying to do just blows up in your face. 
And so we like to award the critical fail of each episode. We, d- we do both, okay. but for, for this, we can each just list a critical fail. I think would be fun. Okay. So who rolled a one that. on their who rolled a one on their check this chapter? Honestly, <laughs> Snape. Like he had everything that he needed and somehow just like absolutely <laughs> rolled one, like probably like three times in a row. Like it just Those are some critical yeah. fails where the DM is feeling like very creative yeah. and enthusiastic that day. You know what I mean? They're like, I want some fucking dialogue for this fail. Right. Uh-huh. It's like, ooh, and uh, it looks like your uh, ex-bully just walked in and told you this was a prank item. <laughs> okay, I like that a lot. Mine is probably Harry for ditching the cloak when he probably could have used it to get off scot-free. Yeah, it is like the opposite of what you should be doing for sure. But even more so, not only does he, when they're leaving to go, he's like, oh, I just don't have time to go get it. I'll go get it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, I'm going to give Malfoy the critical mm-hmm. fail on this one. Um, because, um, I don't know. I just feel like that's some nonsense if you roll a one and the DM is like, well, the ghost is your enemy now. Like your mortal enemy from school. And it's like, what? <laughs> Um, you're f- completely safe, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. If he pulls down your pants, it makes you feel silly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. got mud in the face. That's that's a critical one kind of feeling. Um, critical fail. I say critical one. That's not the right term. Hey, it's it works. No, I'm cool, guys. I promise. <laughs> I think mine is poor Neville. He tried so... Oh, poor Neville. I mean, he did get into the common room finally, but really what he wanted was just to hang out with someone and be friends. Like, he's even like, I will go to the fucking library with you and study. <laughs> like, we will do homework together. I don't care what we do. Just please don't leave me alone. <laughs> the funniest part of that to me is the notion that Neville might have been a, a player in this chapter's game of D&D and yeah. just got benched right at the start, you know? <laughs> you're done like you're out of here you've been kicked off the quest he had a soccer practice that he had to go to so <laughs> yeah he had to npc his character in for a, for a session yes exactly exactly so this chapter again ends on a huge cliffhanger and it's like it's very emotionally taxing for me to keep ending chapters this way and then i have to stop here's the thing i have to start next week's episode on this note you know what i mean it's like if we can't just feel things one week she, now She's trying Carries to carry them over. You. She's like, this story goes on and on. Like, you're here in here for the long haul now. <laughs> so that's the end of that. Does anyone else have anything about this chapter that we, like, didn't get into enough? We've been chatting for quite a bit, and I fucking love this chapter. It was a really good chapter. It was a fun chapter. It's just so classic. And can you believe it doesn't even... In the movies, I think... The same scene happens, but it's, like, not nearly as dramatic, right? No, yeah. like Oh, because like he's, the... like, fucking, like, pulling on shit, and it snowballs. Yeah, I and they don't he, like, capture him. Like, they just run away. Like, the whole confrontation afterwards, um, like, it, oh, yeah. it, it happens, but it's at a later time. Like, it's late at night, and, like, Harry thinks he saw, like, Peter Pettigrew, like, on the map, but he didn't, and, like, it's really, like, oh, turned yes. into Snape, so. Yeah, yeah, this is This is my galaxy-brained theory, by the way, is that I think that the all of... People are like, oh, what, what could Hermione have done with a time-turner? And it's like, all, literally all Hermione had to do was, like, go back a few more hours and be like, Hey, Lupin, I know about your thing. Like take your medication. So you don't 
like, flip <laughs> out on everyone. And without that, without him changing into a werewolf in that moment, like that whole end sequence would have gone just fine. So yeah, that's my it's that's my true. galaxy brain thing is Hermione go back in time and give Lupin his meds. That's all he, she has to do. Yep. Are y'all ready to move on to some plugs? Sure. Awesome. Let's go alphabetically. Alex, will you go first? Oh boy. Yeah. So <laughs> those are po- those words are poison to a guy named Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that when I introduced you guys. I was like, oh my god, they're from A to Z. But I, that's a stupid joke. I'm not going to say that out loud. <laughs> Um, so for our plugs, first of all, we've already talked about our podcast, My Cabbages, which um, I just love how it's, you know, brought another wonderful friend into our life in the form of Christina. So hopefully not just a mere apparition like a Patronus, but um, so we're looking for... <laughs> Go listen to it, because it's like funny and stuff, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so we're, we're <laughs> we already plugged that, but you can still, I will let you know how you can get in touch with us too. If you want to check that out, you can find us on Twitter um, at my cabbage cast or sorry no, no it's at, at cabbage, cabbage, cast. cabbage cast thank you all of this is linked in the show notes so like don't even yeah. worry right. too much about saying it right people just click on yeah. the shit so you can yeah. find us at cabbage cast on Twitter um, and my plug is going to be for an oldie but goodie movie that we just recently watched which is the Goonies uh, it is one of my old favorites um, and when you really realize the people that were behind it i mean steven spielberg uh it was just yeah it's an overall good one baby sean aston so it's um really hard not to enjoy it and it has really big 80s D energy to me so if you're looking for a good classic film to watch and um but while we're also waiting for season four of stranger things um i think and plus cindy lopper it's it's the best song out of any uh, 80s movie ever, except maybe The Breakfast Club. So mm-hmm. that's my plug. And also as a public health person, and I heard someone else, another guest, plug this, and I'm just going to keep that tradition alive by plugging masks. Like, please all continue to wear them. Even if you've been vaccinated, wear mask. still wear masks. So thank you for doing your part to, for people such as myself who work in public health, uh, make our lives just a little bit easier. So thank you for doing your part and helping your community. Yeah, a very excellent plugs indeed. Brooke, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Passion for Parks. You can find me on Twitter at Grumpy Brooke. And this week I'm going to plug a show that I found on Netflix and then immediately binged all of, and that is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It is insanely good it is a musical comedy about a woman navigating her romantic life with borderline personality disorder and it's it's insane like she it's so fun it's got a lot of songs that you're just like wait yeah that is that is the way that life works like the sexy getting ready song you can youtube that as a sample of the show and you will know from there whether or not you <laughs> will like the rest song. of the show if you enjoy that song. But it is absolutely delightful. She's mad cute, too. Can I just say? I low key have yeah. a crush on her. Rachel Bloom is amazing. Um, actually, last episode, uh, Adel plugged her book. Um, I want to be where the normal people are. Yes. I remember. So she's an incredible comedian and songwriter. Zach, you go next. I said alphabetical, but I go last. Great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at CyberToaster. I think I'm also on Instagram at CyberToaster. Uh, I do art, illustration, animation, um, 
like professionally uh and i'm pretty good at it i guess christina heard the word illustration and was like i'm gonna throw a children's Uh, book your way let's talk (laughs) always looking for the next job i'm writing Um, this down so when i heard there was plugs i was just i was racking my brain because i'm like ralphie in a christmas story like Santa's like, what do you want to plug? And me, Mr. Nerd Brain, who has tons and tons of interests and stuff, is just like, uh, uh, uh. But I <laughs> switched gears a little bit, and I think I'm gonna play I'm gonna plug a podcast that I've grown to love over the past few months called Dungeons and Daddies. Uh, uh colon, not a not a BDSM podcast. Uh, <laughs> they they that is the, the the joke that they say every show. And Dungeons and Daddies, the premise of it is it's by um. Anthony Birch, who is a famous video game writer that I have a lot of respect for, uh, he tweeted at me once. I'm, I'm, I was very uh, pleased. But he, uh, Dungeon Masters, this game where these four players all play like dads, like classic dads. Like one of them's like a stay-at-home dad. One of them's like a detached stepfather. One of them's like a guitar dad who like kind of what isn't a great dad, but is a, is a, a cool burnout kind of hippie guy. <laughs> And then oh there's God, the, dad, that's a role. The final dad, which is the like <laughs> hippie druid, like munchy crunchy, like nature druid dad, who is always rocking his like Birkenstocks and mm-hmm. has trail mix and snacks. Yeah, has trail mix and snacks, and um, it's really really funny. Like every time they make a dad joke, they have to roll a d6 of like psychic damage because of because of dad jokes being cringy. <laughs> um, wow. They really get into the characters, and they at this point they've really taken the show and like captured my i'm actually invested now in the characters i want to know what happens to them that's awesome now you it's my turn indeed i've been your host christina you can follow me on instagram at your girl of the world you can follow me on twitter at christina con you can follow me on tiktok at sprouts private stash it's hard to remember all three of those but damn it i did it for you guys you did it you're rocking <laughs> I haven't been doing anything new recently, except that I've been rereading Percy Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. I I started at the top with The Lightning Thief, and that's because of our our newest baby movie night crew podcast of The Eldest Gods. I've been listening to their episode. I'm like, I need to reread this series. And it's a middle grade fantasy series, which to me is frankly just one of the most fun genres that exists. It's just so pure and like action packed and wholesome. And everyone's just like a great friend. I think Percy Jackson is kind of like a Hufflepuff series because everyone's in the end is trying to be a good friend. You know what I mean? Like you can really count on your friends to be friends. Hunter Hunter is a is a um, Hufflepuff series too. If anybody's an anime <laughs> nerd like me, ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's my plug and our um, sibling podcast of the Eldest Gods. Listen, we didn't want to be half bloods. If you're listening to this because you think you might be one, our advice? Stop listening to this podcast right now. Percy Jackson had the right idea when he told people to stop reading the books detailing his adventures as a half-blood. But we didn't listen to his warnings. And that's why we started this podcast, Of the Eldest Gods, where we read books written by Rick Riordan and talk about how they affected us as kids and continue to as semi-adults. You can find us every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think we fooled them for a second there? God, I hope not. Bring on the monsters. We're making a podcast. (laughs) So that's that.
that's the episode. That's Snape's grudge. I guess it's like this isn't even the beginning of Snape's grudge, though. You know what no, I mean? No, it sounds like <laughs> the name of the band that he wished he had started back <laughs> in the day. It's like Snape's pop, pop, pop. That's pop, why he punk grew band. his hair out in the first place, and it didn't work out. But he kept no. the hair. <laughs> well, Alex, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was thank an absolute delight. Thanks for the invitation. It didn't come from by Owl, so I'm a little disappointed by yeah, that. And I apologize. Well, my scop cell is for local deliveries only, you yeah, know? So I couldn't send it all the way up. There you go. But no, <laughs> and I apologize if, you know, it was, uh, we weren't as timely going back and forth, but we're so glad we were able Indeed to make this day. work. And we can't wait to have you um, on our show in a couple weeks. Yes, it's I'm very excited. Look out for that. Um, I will be certainly tweeting and etc about that very episode. So for now, um, thanks everyone. And Harry, get out of Hogsmeade. You're not supposed to be there. It's against the rules. You're going to get in trouble. Goodbye. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. This episode didn't want to happen, but we made it.